House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. We're on Twitter as well, at House of Run. I'm Kevin, joined by Jason. This week's show, we're going to be talking about some news coming out of the IAAF meeting. We had the Foot Locker National High School Championships and a magnificent race in the women's competition. We have a bunch of emails. We have Eurocross as well, or as Jillian would say, Eurocross? <laughs> Uh, it's it's a fairly eventful week, yeah, for for middle of December, right? I mean, that's yeah, it, it is. Awesome. And I also I also wanted to throw in there, Kevin and Jason's. Although you can, if you don't want to be part of this list, you don't have to. Mm. Most important track people of 2018 list. I'm continuing with the end of the year theme here. Oh, okay. And I came up with my not at all subjective. <laughs> Incredibly accurate, five most important people in track wow. in 2018. That's interesting. I uh, okay. I mean, I'll, I'll I'll go along with you if I if I can think of something to uh, you know contrast your list or something. I'll let you know though. Well, the plan was that we were going to run through the list ahead of time, so we would be a united front. You got stuck in traffic, so you can just have true. A, you can just agree or disagree with my list how about that yeah i think that's perfect yeah and if yeah if I'll, I'll try to think of you know something to to disagree with if i can but i mean i'm looking at it now it looks like a pretty solid list but i want to hear your reasoning you can be like and number six very clearly <laughs> is yeah, jacob ingabritson oh man he, he's he's got to be up there dominates that u20 race and then jumps in the mud at Eurocross, uh, Ingerbits and party all over. You had Philip winning the, well, I should call him by his name on the show, Middle Britson. Yeah. Apologies there. You know, he's a, he's a 1500 meter stud. He's run 330 and then he jumps into a 10,000 meter cross country race and runs, uh, runs for the title in the Netherlands. So I, it seems to me that Ingerbritsons have to win at least two races in every competition they go to. Now, sometimes if it's a U20, all the pressures on Lil Britson. Yeah. But in races where there's three of them, they can spread it out between the three. Elder Britson was, was 18th in that race. So he was, he was a little off. He finished, I think 10th last year, but Philip gets the W in the senior race. And then, and then Jacob, no surprise. I mean, U 20. That's, that's yeah, games for him at this point. Yeah. He's at another level than that, obviously. Yeah. The, the Britsons. I mean, man, it's impressive. It's it's obviously just insane. Uh, Little Britson, most most of all, I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's it's got to suck to be an elder Britson and be like 18th. You just feel very inadequate, I would imagine. Well, he got the what did he get? He got runner up in <clears throat> Euro Champs to Little Britson. Yeah. The, so he and he got a he got a five thousand meter PR this year too. So they've they've all had good years. Yeah. But it's just been the. The Jacob Show, literally and figuratively, he has a show in Norway, which we found out the origins of the subtitles of that show in a previous episode. That's right. <laughs> if people if people don't remember that, the story of the meat really though was was the meme of the meat. 
uh, Jimmy Gressier of France was on his way to a win in the U23 race. And the clip that everybody's seen at this point, if you're listening to the show, you've seen the clip. It's been, it's been everywhere. It's gone, it's gone mainstream. I won't even say viral because before it's gone that, but it's also just gone mainstream. And the, the clip picks up with him holding two French flags. He's well ahead of this race, Jason, and then tries to slide on his knees across the finish line like a soccer player. And it's going well for a little bit. A very little bit, though. And then his legs, his left knee sticks in the mud, and then he falls face, <laughs> perfectly face first into the tape. And as people have pointed out to us on Twitter, the best part of it is the women refuse to then let go of the tape, which makes it funnier, more of a fail, I guess, but also saves him from kind of going face first into the mud, right? True. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know which would have been worse because, like, the him being. Yeah, because I mean, they're surprised. They don't know, you know, they didn't know he was going to slide on his knees. True. Um, and I mean, it, it's, yeah, he slides successfully for about a tenth of a second, and that's it. Yeah. And then it immediately sticks face forward, and then, yeah, into the, you know, just straight into the tape, which they aren't letting go of. They're probably <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, they're just two, two volunteers, presumably, <laughs> who's, who are helping out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, I mean, it, I, I've watched it about 50 times and Mm -hmm. it's enjoyable every single time. Um, What I noticed on this last viewing, because every time it's one of those clips where every time you see something new yeah, is the very end, he turned, he's on all fours and he turns to look behind him. Like who saw this? Yeah, exactly. That was my thinking. It's like literally everybody saw this because it can't be a question of, Oh, am I going to win? Cause he fell across the line. So he's all good. Yeah. But but I think what he's worried about is, oh, man, did anybody catch this? Little does Jimmy know in front of him there's a giant camera filming <laughs> this for the entire world. I, I mean, the thing is, I, I don't think people are talking about enough, is how he tried to cheat to make his time faster by diving across the line. I mean, that's, <laughs> as we know, that's so much faster. And, you know, I, I, just, I think Allison Felix got robbed out of this title. Let's, let's, let's go to Victor in Brooklyn to get some <laughs> opinion on that. Can we can we stop with the flags? I mean, marathon. I guess it's okay, but this it's very triathlon of me to have the flags while you're running. I, I mean, yeah. I, I think for me, it's cross the finish line, grab flags from some fans while you're doing your victory lap, you know, thing. Like, absolutely, totally fine with that. Um, yeah, while you're in the midst of a race, yeah, it's maybe fine to just finish the race first and. Um, you're excited. Mind. You ran through the mud and, and, you know, the muck and stuff and you want to slide across. Like I can respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this might happen. Sure. And running across the line is never just a bad idea. Um, I'm not anti-fun, but I just, you know, Hey, I'd I be afraid something like this might happen. I don't mind the early celebration. That's fine. It's just when we're introducing flags before we cross the line, I think we might be, it's, it's like with McKeesey. I don't mind if you take your shirt off after the race, but then yeah. he did it during the race. It's a and little tough, yeah. Yeah, just just bothered me a little bit there. I, I'm i ready for like the end of – I mean, this is just going to be like – you can just see the memes already, like me at the beginning of 2018, me at the end of 2018 right. or something like that. Or yep. 
how I think I am. I don't know. All the all the kids are doing the memes these days. Yes. With uh, what I think I look like, what I actually look like, or on Mondays, yeah. all that, all that stuff. Jimmy, Jimmy Gressier doesn't know it, but he's. He's in the culture now. Like he is embedded in. I mean, this has made him more famous than he ever would have been. Yeah, he's this guy. A long shot. Yeah, he's this guy forever. Yeah, uh, unfortunately. And uh, I think you embrace it. And I think his next race, he should do the same thing if he wins. Like next time he has a tape, he needs to just go face first into the tape. I think that's his only option at this point. You got to own it, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the the ultimate web redemption. He just he just does it every single time. Exactly. Women's side of things, Yasmin Khan won again for Turkey in the women's senior race. I know you like the mixed relay, so I'll give you some mixed relay results here. Spain, please, yeah, gets the win, sixteen ten, over a distance of indeterminate length. France second, <laughs> Belarus, Belarus third, gets that bronze. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I mean, the fact you know we've given a solid six minutes to Eurocross already. I feel like, you know, yeah. like no one can be upset at the amount of time we've given Eurocross at this point. Well, let's, Unless people well, are like, you've given too much time to Eurocross. Like that's the only real option at this point. Hold on. Let me give you a little more to Eurocross. We mentioned okay. the man himself, McKeesey. Looks like he was on the French mixed relay team. Uh, really? Okay. Running the third leg, which looks like the third leg. There's four legs. The third leg took Three minutes and forty-seven seconds. So, fifteen hundred ish. Yeah, a little less than fifteen hundred, probably given yeah. given the mud. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, help propelling France to uh, a silver medal. Let's let's talk more cross, but let's go stateside in a race that's been described as as epic uh, in a number of outlets, and I think appropriately so. This this women's footlocker race was pretty cool the last well the whole thing was interesting because caitlin hart uh, of illinois separates from the pack pretty early and it's it it's in balboa park which people who are unfamiliar with that course in san diego it's two loops there's a big uphill and a big downhill on on both loops so it's it's a very honest course the footing is good it's not a mud fest like we've seen um in a lot of different cross-country races. And she has a lead. She never fully breaks away. It's not one of those Caitlin Tui dominance parties that, that we've come to, to know and love. Caitlin Tui is not, not in this race. Uh, and one of the runners looming is Sydney Mascarelli, who is a sophomore in her first year of cross-country. She ran outdoor track, and she's been very good this year. She's a basketball player. She's five foot ten, And she is... Back a little ways, and then I don't. The last two hundred. How many times did the lead change? Would you say? The yeah, last it's fantastic. I'm rewatching it now just because you know I'd, I'd watched it once and I was just like, this is fantastic. And yeah, it, it's it is just this back and forth where it's. It, I mean, it it she looked um. Masarelli, she she kind of looked more in control, mm-hmm. like. Even though she was behind, like she just looked stronger, I guess, over the, that last you know quarter mile plus back and forth. But like still, um, Hart, you know, was in the lead, took the lead back. It was it was it was this incredible back and forth, and yeah, just the whole first time running cross country. All right, let's let's win, <laughs> let's win Footlocker. Like that's just that's just a level of talent in things 
um, that I'm just uh, supremely jealous of. Yeah, she was. It was about at 200 when she catches her, and you expect her to go by, and then Hart holds on. Like she never gets past her, and then Hart surges ahead, and then Master goes back, uh, and then does like a fight. I mean, it wasn't until the last 20 it looked like meters, if that, and even then they're almost. I mean, they're what half a stride length apart at the finish i mean yeah it's, it's yeah super, it's never it's super close and maybe i just you know maybe i think she looks more in control just because yeah she's 510 and it's like it looks it looks more like like a dominating you know type stride sure. when you're going against someone who's, who's significantly smaller than you are um but yeah i mean this is this is fan- this is what you want like this is this is amazing to have that close to finish at the end of this race and um yeah that's it's just perfect yeah awesome race if you haven't found it or if you haven't watched it go find it on on youtube particular i mean the whole thing is kind of interesting you know the last 400 is what's getting the most attention but if you see just how in control Hart was for a lot of it it kind of makes the ending the payoff that much better Hart was runner-up last year as well too although that was in a race that was decided well well earlier so it's completely different race this year but she's gone uh, back-to-back second-place finishes. Men's race, uh, Cole Hawker won, but he won by, like, six seconds. So people didn't pay as much attention to it, unfortunately for him. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's, it's like if he would have run five and a half seconds slower, it we would have gotten a lot more attention, yeah. which is <laughs> just kind of sad. But, um, you know, yeah, it's obviously still impressive. Hey, he, you win Foot Locker. There's nothing wrong about that. But, yeah, you, it's hard to live up to that women's race. Yeah, what's the best cross-country basketball athlete crossover athlete in history it's i mean mm. it's certainly not you and i although we both tried to play basketball that's true yeah Can eliminate us it's, yeah we were up there but um i mean meb man. can dunk which i think is crazy but you know some people <laughs> <laughs> yeah who else yeah i'm trying to even think of who else we didn't i don't think we had anyone on our cross-country team who was who was much of a basketball player um there's wasn't some, wasn't a common crossover not not at all nick willis tweeted the other day if anybody had ever heard of like a distance runner who could dunk and some people were responding now that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good basketball player if you can dunk because right. you know zach levine proved that night in and night out for the bulls <laughs> whoa cheap shot by kevin <laughs> uh, just kidding uh do you know that aaron gordon could win the olympic high jump that's <laughs> absolutely it's 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 totally legit uh, I don't know. Someone, someone has the answer to this question, but there's... I'm sure there's someone obvious. It's like, you guys didn't know that... <laughs> yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Bernard Lagat won the NBA three-point contest. Like, what? Right. Kinesa Bekele was on the <laughs> Ethiopian national team. Yeah. Basketball. No. It's like, the... <laughs> Miles Plumley is actually the same person. <laughs> it's actually Dathan Ritzenheim. I mean, I don't know that. Little, little uh, fact. Yeah, so, I mean... Because this is her first year running cross, I think the attention paid to just how good she can be is going to be astronomical. And she's already jumping into basketball season. I saw an interview. She has two games this weekend, and she plan on Friday and Saturday. She plans on playing in scouting report. Good motor for for Sydney. <laughs> Sydney's got a good motor. Let's yeah. Is she the ultimate closer? Right. I mean, <laughs> stick her on. You know the 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 fastest best 
score on the other team and just have her chase her around because I'm guessing the other girl is going to get tired before Sydney will. If that team doesn't full court press, just with her, right? Like, first of all, she's five ten, so that's like a you know good good height anyway. And yeah, she can just outrun and out endurance everybody. Yeah, like she could be a one person full court press the entire box game. and one. I used to be the one in the box and one. Yeah, that yeah. should be her. Yeah, and her, well, her five k is close to yours, so it's pretty close. Feet, yeah, so this is <laughs> true. Much. And she's wait, are you five? You're not five ten, are you? I am five ten. Yeah, you're so 510. exactly. So Sydney, that's this is okay. This me and me and Sydney very similar. Yeah, her arms seem pretty long though. She. Oh I'm yeah, like, I I don't I don't have the reach. You know, like I'm I'm mostly torso. Like yeah. I realize, you know, my I don't have long legs or long arms. Like I don't have that kind of athlete's uh, situation going on. Yeah. No. So uh, it, it's gonna be very interesting to see how she. How she bodes uh, from here, but w- I mean, what a race! And both those top two are back uh, next year to yeah. do it to awesome. do it potentially all over again. So that'll be that'll be a fun one to watch. Chez Edward Chezarek won another road race, third road race in the past couple months. He won the secret one in Las Vegas, then he won the one on Thanksgiving, and then now he ran one in Hawaii, the Merry Mile. And won it close though, but he still got the dub. My colleague Lincoln Shrike wrote about this. I think he fig- figured Chaz just in those three races from prize money's won eighteen grand. Nice, not bad. And the, and the fastest ever mile in Hawaii. So yeah, I t- I tried to tell him don't write Hawaiian soil, otherwise I'm going to put my head through a desk. But <laughs> he was already committed. <laughs> So, you know, I'll give him, yeah, I'll give him credit for that. But, you know, hey, you're, 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 Edward Cesarek is the best distance runner in the world, or whatever you said is, is looking good. Yeah. Well, that was last year. Yeah. It's, I assume you were keeping that rolling. I think, well, he could get a, he could get a back this, he could just become king of very, very, like, late cross <laughs> into, Early indoor, like December, November, December, you January. You could make like a solid money in like three months. Like you could do like pretty what well if, right there, right? What if he just goes around trying to set the fastest mile in every state? What if he Love just becomes it. the soil man, like the soil <laughs> baron? It'd be pretty good. There'd be a few, obviously. I, I mean, you, you probably, I would say 30 plus of the states will probably be super easy for him. Yeah. And then there's, you know, I'm sure there's a few, few toughies out there. I mean, Oregon's tough. Yeah. I'm sure California is probably tough, but. He probably has, I mean, that three, the, the you know, the sub-350 indoors in Massachusetts, in Boston. Yeah. Has someone run faster than, I mean, Yuki's first mile in Boston was pretty fast, but I don't think it was that fast. Um, I mean, there, there might have been an outdoor meet at some point, but yeah. I, th- I say he, go, he goes, like, if he doesn't get the citizenship thing worked out this year, he should go on a 50-state barnstorming tour. And just break mile records Love in every it. single state. Yeah, just be like, hey, just give me five thousand per record or something like that. You know, that seems yeah. reasonable. Kickstarter that bad boy. I mean, what's the what's the soil record in North Dakota, South Dakota? Right, you got to think he's got to be able to destroy that. They didn't have a sub four in Alaska until very recently, too. Mm, that's right. Yeah, you go go there for good weather. I'm in. I'm all in on this. Love it. We also had the. We didn't talk about the IWF meeting, right? Last week, because it had just, it was about to happen. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay, so Athletes of the Year, I'll let you chime in here, Jason. For the men, Ilya Kipchoge. And for the women, 
Katarina Ebargwin. Uh, Ellie Kipchoge. What? Perfect pick. Like, I have no... I would have a hard time arguing against that. Right? A lot of Kevin Mayer fans out there. A lot of Kevin Mayer fans. And that's fine. Like, I get that. And Kevin Mayer, hey, he you break a record by Ash Neaton, and, like, that was amazing. Like, he had the best possible year a multi-event athlete probably can have in an off year. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's really yeah. good. Um, Eli Kipchoge is the greatest marathoner of all time, and he's been that for years, and he shattered the world record, and... I'm I'm good with him getting it. Like I I have no no qualms about that whatsoever. Um, a Bargwin. Do you have qualms? I mean, all right. Like I mean, Bargwin's been great for a long time. Um, and we we already know the qualm. We've been over this for for a while here. But she's really good, and you know, the long jump, triple jump. I'm not- it's. I just. Uh, yeah. I mean. I, I don't know what else we can say about it that we haven't already said. Well, I'll say this: Semini obviously should have won it, but even of the three, it's the it's a bad pick. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's you, Shawnee Miller Weibo. Like, I would. I would have gone Miller, and and I. I mean, I think you even had an argument of Miller over Semenya. But right, she won there. But okay, so triple this year. So a bargain doubles in the long and the triple at the Diamond League Finals and. I don't know, the Continental Cup or something like that. I don't know. And she's undefeated in the long jump. Or sorry, in the in the triple this year. Um, she lost in the long jump. Which is I mean, you're it's fine. You're allowed you're allowed to lose and still have a good season. But when you're going against Miller Weibo, that's yeah. that's different. Um her long jump or her triple jump performance, you know, wasn't her best this year was fourteen 96 which i mean all time is you know out of the top 100 right so you're contrasting that with shawnee miller Weibo, who runs the you know this crazy fast 400 that puts her uh you know 48.9 puts her in the top you know top 40 all time amongst some times that are very interesting. And I think there's some very interesting times in the women's triple as well too, but like you know 48 I mean sub 49 hadn't hadn't happened in a while. Right. Um I I don't know. I get you can kind of compare them because they're uh Oh wait, I'm did she she didn't even do the Diamond League double. Did she? No. I, oh no, she I, did. I, she did. She did. Yeah. Okay, I, th- I was like, I thought so, but honestly, I can't. remember. Or I'm talking about a bargain. Sorry, a bargain. But like, can you compare yeah, yeah, these? I mean, can you yeah. can you compare the two and the four to the long and the triple? I mean, kinda. I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's a crazy thing to say. Um, you know, Miller was yeah had the world lead in the four. Didn't didn't have the world lead in the two. I don't believe, but that was I, Asher Smith, I think. I think so. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I would still call Miller. If you made me bet on a 200 race with all the best 200 meter runners in the world, I would still bet on Miller. And yeah. maybe you could say, well, that doesn't matter. She wasn't the fastest. Okay. But she was among the fastest in the world in one event and the absolute fastest and, and one of the fastest, you know, in the past decade in the other mm-hmm. event. Uh, I mean, that just seems more impressive. Uh, world yeah, record I, in the indoor 300? Are we sleeping on that too? I am sleeping on it. You're absolutely right. I, I don't know how I forgot about that. So I think, you know, tiebreaker right there. That's that's there well, it is. One fifty straight, she won that. 
Uh, she was on the winning Continental Cup Americas team in the four by one. She's not even a hundred meter lose runner at all this year. Miller. Miller did not lose a single okay. race. Not That's a good heat, enough for me then. Not a final. She tried every and she did a ton of stuff. So she did the one fifty straight, the two hundred, the indoor three hundred, the four hundred. Yeah, and a bargain. I mean, she didn't have losses in the triple, but she had um, a couple losses in the long jump. And like I said, I don't. Her time, his, her marks historically didn't stack up. She lost twice in the long jump, and long jump didn't have Brittany Reese this year. And I know she can't control her competition, but Brittany Reese didn't compete this year. Saving herself. And Miller's for, going against Nasser, who's who's a legit, another great, great, like not even just great for the year, great, you know. In, yeah. in the history of the event, yeah. Well, and in the 200, yeah, there's people missing in 200, but she's still going against the well, the shippers, although you don't think she's very good. But, you know, you have your, the shippers, you have uh, Dean Ash. What has she won lately besides all those medals, Kevin? What has yeah, she won? Yeah. yeah, Tori Bowie, like, out as well. But but the, 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 the 200 was still solid, and she ran – what did she run? I mean, what was her, what was her season best, Shani Miller? She ran 20 – 2206 in the two. I, I, I don't like it's, this is not the, the biggest miss. The biggest miss is what we've been over before. Yeah. But, but that's, it was interesting to me that they went this route. Maybe they're just like, Hey, we already screwed up by not doing the Semenya thing. Let's just then screw it up further. Then maybe they'll they'll just think we're incompetent instead of, (laughs) you know, being uh, like actually leaving leaving her out for, for other reasons. So, she had the fourth fastest time of the year on the two, the twenty two oh six. So Sariki oh, okay. Jackson, Blessing Okabari, and Asher Smith um, finished in front. Of her. But she beat people, right? Right. Like that was the like when she did the and that's her second event. Like it's yeah. So yeah. So when she did the Diamond League final, uh, I'm talking about Miller Weibo, and she ran the two hundred. Which okay, it's a bummer she didn't run the four hundred because she didn't beat uh, you know race Nasser again, but she beat shippers in that race again. I mean, I I don't know, like it. I I think they if this was a world championship year and everybody's running, I still think she'd have been able to pull it off. But you gotta you gotta split hairs here somewhere. Yeah, I mean that's that's part of the the deal is when you're comparing, you know. It, this is, wasn't a Bargwin's best season. Just yeah, I mean, she did two events, too. which is great. It's not, but, yeah. it, you know, when you have to, not even demean her, but like, you know, belittle her accomplishments, it's not because she's not great. It's just because, yeah, when you're comparing the best across all the sport, like that's yeah. kind of what you have to do. Yeah. Well, I just think it's, it's, she didn't, she didn't, by her own standards, like her season was strong, but she's had better years. I guess it's just because you add in the long jump and you get the Diamond League title in both, so. We'll leave it there. The other news, Russia still banned. Good to know. And Budapest is hosting the 2023 World Champs. Do you have any interest in going to Budapest? Uh, I mean, I have an interest to go to most places that I haven't been to. I mean, I I don't think Budapest is in my my top, you know, top five. Um, but I don't know. It's, pro- it's probably, like, really cool. Like, there's, I'm sure there's cool stuff there that I just don't even realize. I'm looking at pictures of Budapest right now, and 
it looks pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, they're building a new stadium. For new listeners to the show, we were planning on ending the, the podcast in 2016 and throwing our mics in the ocean after going to the Rio Olympics. We didn't go to the Rio Olympics, and then we didn't end the show. Um, so we didn't hold up our end of the bargain on any of this stuff. And now we got to go. You got to go at least for 2021 because you got the, the home world championships in Eugene. Yeah. Then it's a question, can you go all the way to 2028 and, and the L.A. Olympics? Right. Well, that's, that's tough because Jason's going to be 44 or something by that point. Who knows? <laughs> so maybe call it at Budapest and you throw, the, you throw the mic in the Danube River? I mean, this is like the more I'm looking at Budapest, the more I want to go. This is, this is okay. beautiful. Yeah, some of, that, some of those Eastern Europe, European capitals, uh, people are very, very, very high on. Um, a, lot of ver- a, lot of, a lot of history there. Um, and the architecture apparently is pretty cool. And I know you're a big architecture buff. Huge. City, city planning. City planning mainly. I mean, that's kind of, I like the, what leads up to the architecture part. Like you can stop <laughs> once you hit the actual building and stuff. I just want the zoning part first. <laughs> you read the prologue to the architecture. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, let me know what, you know, meetings you had to go through, what clearances <laughs> you had to get, safety, all that stuff. Like that's where my real passion lies. You want the prequel to exactly. the to the building i mean yeah sure about- the beautiful you know uh, architecture okay i could take it or leave it but really give me the give me the build-up absolutely okay so jason's all in on this who I, else was I, bidding I love in budapest here this is great do we know who else was bidding i don't um, that, there was not much fanfare for this one at least compared i don't know if that's just because we're in the united states um but let's look at this reuters article let's see um, well, it's the first host city to be named under a new bidding process. I don't know what that bidding process is. Is that them like changing it after the last couple that have well, just been disa- sketchy? Yeah, it's exactly disaster after disaster. Uh, okay, that one doesn't tell us if anybody else was nominated. Because um, I don't remember hearing about anybody... Um, Oh, they were playing. They were trying to host the 2024 Olympics. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I don't see another one. I'm I'm wondering how many people are bidding for these things still. Yeah, I mean, hey, it's. Like I said it looks looks nice. They're building the stadium. I uh, I'm I'm not against Budapest. That seems like a it seems like a reasonable one. We we've had much worse selections. You can amortize amortize. Oh no, let's not let's not open that up again. We can amortize <laughs> the heck out of that stadium, Jace. All right. Before we go to email, yeah. and we have we have a lot of emails this week, so I want to leave time for those at the end of the show. Uh, should I unveil my most important track people of 2018? Yes, yes, I am. I'm ready. All right. This is an exhaustive list. It's five people. Okay. Uh, the criteria. I don't want to use the word influential. Okay. But. These are the people who had not. I'm not looking to say at results, although that's part of it. But I'm just looking at the people who, for this year, and looking forward, had a, had a had a big sway, um, and the people that did things that we'll talk about in the future. Okay. If that does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you could do a great performance, but you won't necessarily be really remembered for it more than someone who, yeah. It's not necessarily one way. Yeah, yeah. it's not necessarily confined also to twenty eighteen. I'll just say that 
okay. which is weird because it's the most important people of 18, but a lot of these, are, it's going to be about what's what's in the future. But there things happened this year with these these people uh, that made them uh, the most important track people of 2018. And I like the term track people. Right. But this is also open to, to not necessarily people who run on the track. Exactly. Yeah. I open it up to everybody, although a lot of it is... A lot of it um, ended up being, well, I say a lot. There's only five. Uh, and this is no particular order, by the way. I'll go in any order. Unless, do you want me to pick an order? No, that's uh, any order's fine. Okay. So here's the first person. Iliud Kipchoge. Yeah. Really hard to argue that one. It's, it's He's the greatest of all time. He ran the fastest of all time. He is basically changed what we thought is possible for marathoning um yeah i think that's that's a, it's that's an impossible pick to argue against i feel like all right well thanks jace you just took all my lines so i don't sorry to say anything that, no it's good <laughs> it's good it's good that's i mean that's all i was gonna say marathon has more resonance than any other running event that we talk about other than the hundred so his performance and it's maybe even equal with the hundred now i guess you could say especially when you when you take it outside of the Olympics, um, yeah, the fact that he dropped it so low, uh, which sounds like an old juvenile song <laughs> from the <laughs> late 90s, but that's not what I meant. I meant his world record to 201.39. Put it close enough to two to where we're going to continue talking about two. You're right. He further cemented, if you can put more cement on your legacy, uh, he did that. And he's also the type of person and has the type of presence that draws people in. I think if it was just a random, I hate to do this again to our guy, but we keep doing it. A random Dennis Cometo out there. Yep. I don't think it'd be so much, but, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't there'd be as much interest in it, but because of the way Kip Choge communicates what he chooses to communicate and how he handles his persona I, I just draws even more interest into him. His quotes are fascinating, and he's, you know, like the Zen master, or what would the New York Times called him the, I don't know, it's like the poet laureate. I don't know what the term was, but they said something. A lot of it's probably overdone a tad, but people are interested in what he has to say, and he says interesting things. Yeah. Um, and, and for that reason, he's one of my most important track people of 2018. Love it. Totally agree. Huge, We're one big, for one. Big list here. Okay. Next person. No particular order. Sidney McLaughlin. Yep. Okay. Makes, makes a list for a couple things. Number one, I mean, she confirmed she's as good as we thought she was going to be. Yep. If not better. Number two, her season... I think we'll look back on it historically and say it was, you know, one of the best NCAA freshman campaigns of all time. And then finally, what she's doing, you know, signing the pro contract and signing with a talent agency in LA and moving out to LA, I think is going to shape a lot of track and field coverage through at least 2028 i don't that might is that too many years i i don't know like we're looking at someone with an auto made this 
comparison on the show before I did, but you know, the Flojo thing where she can cross over to the mainstream, um, you know, that kind of combined with the current day social media tools of, you know, people like Allison Felix, that you have that crossover going on. So everything she did this year just sets her up perfectly for the next 10 years of her career when she's going to be the person the track world is, is centered around for a lot. I mean, it, obviously that's barring her still competing for that long, but I mean, she's only 19. So I think it's fair to say we have a lot more years uh, of her to come. And I think her performances on the track are going to give plenty of reasons for, for people to, to continue to talk to about her. You know what I mean? It's not just like, Oh yeah, she's, really good on social media and promoting her. No, it's like she's probably going to set the world record next year because we found that out this year. And she stopped her season right at the point when you're like, oh, man, she was, like, really getting going. Yeah. <laughs> we we was... could have seen it this year. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, she's, I mean, she's already, yeah, one of the biggest stars in the sport, and, you know, she's so young. But, yeah, she did have a, a bit of a breakthrough this year, putting a new balance even more so up there, like, as a – that kind of mm-hmm. came out of nowhere that was interesting um yeah I, I think she absolutely there's been a lot of really young good talent but it's hard to find someone who who fits that description more than than sydney mm-hmm. yeah she's the best of that group and then combined with the fact of what's going on right now in track there's especially in the united states a little a changing of the guard yep. if you will right wouldn't you say i mean there's all these young there's all these other young stars coming in too on the U.S. side, especially in the sprints with you know, Lyles and Coleman and Norman and Benjamin. So she is one of the most important track. I'm going to keep saying this, people, of 2018. Agreed. Two for two. Oh, man. I want you to be like, no. I mean, I, I would Irrelevant. like to. Give me, a, give me a worse choice and I'll, I'll go along with you. I'll give you another one here. My next one, Sebastian Coe. Head okay. of the IAAF. And I think if we did this list every year, whoever is in charge of the IAAF would have like a place on it just because there's not many people from that administrative role mm. who can have such a big sway on the races, how they're being run on the track, right? So, I mean, just look at what the IAAF's been tasked with or in charge of this year in terms of policies. So you have, you know, we just talked about it before the, the reinstituting the ban of Russia, or, sorry, continuing the ban of Russia, excuse me, which the IOC, right. And WADA are like, Hey, you can let these guys back in now and track. And I don't know. If, I don't know if this is a hundred percent Sebco. So perhaps I'm giving uh, or assigning responsibility where it, where it isn't due, but he is the head of, this governing body. So I don't think it's too presumptuous to think that he's signing off on these things or at the very least he's influencing heavily in these decisions. He's bucking the trend here. All these other groups admits, admits must protest are saying no, are, are saying come back in, right? Like water reaccredited their lab and everyone was like, what? How yeah. could you do that? That is terrible. And, IAAF is still saying, no, you're still not meeting the requirements. So I think that's huge. Just, you know, from the competition standpoint, 
you know, Shubenkov's going to be there. Lasaskina is going to be there because they figured out this authorized neutral athlete. But sort of in that area that goes a little bit beyond sports and also the idea of setting an example for other federations and just how you want to run the sport, he's holding firm there for track. The other thing, um, the issue regarding uh, hyperandrogenism, mm-hmm. which is going to be going into the Court of Arbitration of Sport next year. It was supposed to be this November. It's been pushed. That's something that's going to be a huge story and have ramifications across sports. And they finally, I don't know if they figured it out. And I don't, I mean, this isn't like credit to anybody because I think this took too long, but the transfer of allegiance situation. Remember there was that long suspension. So nobody knew who was going to go where. Right. Applications weren't being processed. Well, they finally wrapped it up. There's the, the waiting period and all this other system systems that they've put in place that they think is going to curb nations compelling athletes to change countries and athletes now have guardrails. So someone, like, it makes a difference. Like someone like Ry Benjamin, right? Where he wasn't going to be able to compete for the U.S. Now he is. That's huge just in terms of, well, I mean, huge in terms of the record book, the medal counts. You know, his ability to make money, I think, is impacted by all of that. Um, we finally now, when he races Samba next year, we can settle once and for all the Qatar versus America low hurdle rivalry that's just been about time. Bur- burning for ages. So I just think it's hard to separate any head of the IAAF from from important decisions because whether they like it or not, they're they're mixed in with it all. Okay. I, I mean, I could, I, I could definitely see the argument. I'm, I mean, I guess I don't, I mean, I guess we might remember it just as Sebco. I mean, but it could be just the IWF in general, but if this is the most important people, not the most important, uh, uh, federations of 2018. Sure. Well, most important track. Well, yeah, but I mean, someone's in charge there, right? Like, and I'm not saying it's him uniquely. It could be Bill Smith, but like whoever was in charge of it, because if he decided to let, if he said, yeah, Russia, come on in, wouldn't they be cool with it? And if he told the IAAF, hey, you got to drop this issue with, like, just let let uh, let Semenya run, you'd think that that would carry some sway, right? Right. Yeah. It's... That's why I'm giving it to him. I, but, but, it, but you're right. Like, if the IAAF was this completely decentralized body where no one really had control, then yes, they would probably go in my most important federations of 2018 <laughs> which is a really exciting list that's that's next week we're gonna do that right yeah yes exactly um which brings me to my next person caster semenya okay now, some, I, I definitely agree with this one yeah so some people think she should have been nominated and won the iaaf athlete of the year i haven't heard much about that yeah she <laughs> they officially laid out the case this year athletes between 400 and the mile whose testosterone is above a certain level needs to undergo testosterone regulation in order to be complete they were supposed to begin it in november they pushed it back to march meanwhile she just won everything literally everything um pat posted three top 10 times of all time if she wasn't as good, I doubt this would get the attention that it's getting. 
She's probably going to be the, one of the most important people in 2019 as well, because whatever they decide, uh, it's also going to be a huge deal. But I don't think you can separate Semenya's success from why this is such a big issue for everybody. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think outside of a Bargwin, she's probably would belong on this list, but um, I would have to give a Bargwin ahead of her because she won Athlete of the Year <laughs> and Semenya wasn't even nominated. So, Stop. Um, no, I, I yeah, I, I think this is a this is a definitely a clear one. For, I mean, just just on her her dominance alone, you can make the argument, but then obviously everything surrounding it, it's yeah, it's pretty clear. And my final most important person. 2018. Do you have a guess on who it might be? Man, I mean, I was thinking like you have all these these young sprint stars. I guess it's kind of hard to separate, you know, a Coleman, Lyles, Norman, like from each other. But like, I mean, mm-hmm. you have like, you know, if U.S. sprinting was a person, like the, them them jumping back, uh, it's 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 tough. I don't know. Incorrect. I mean, those are all great, and you're right. If there was one. Maybe they would have got it. But no. It's Frederick T. Greenhalge. And that is According to Wikipedia. A was that British like a born... classmate of a classmate of Fred Curley's? <laughs> a British born lawyer and politician in the United States, uh, state of Massachusetts, served in the US House of Representatives and was the state's thirty eighth governor. He was elected three consecutive times, but he died early in his third term. He was the state's first foreign-born governor. What did he do during his time in office, Jason? He came up with the idea of Patriots Day. Ah. A little race came along later, known as the Boston Marathon, that they decided to put on Patriots Day. This year, Patriots Day was probably the worst weather any of us had ever seen for a major road race. Without Frederick Tree Greenhalge, we don't have Patriots Day. We probably have a Boston Marathon on a regular Sunday, which means we have a Boston Marathon where it was really cold still and windy, but basically no rain. And we may not have a Des Linden, Yuki Kawuchi double victory. I mean, that is, wow. I, yeah, okay. Green Hage, I, I you know, I might have, I mean, some people might have gone with Kawuchi, like just to go, hey, maybe he's going, first of all, he won. Um, maybe he is going to uh, usher in a possibility of people doing more than two marathons a year, like sure. more regularly and you know, all that. But you, you went back to the source, you know, it's just like my zoning where I'd like to see where this all came from. doesn't matter what the result was, but I want to know what happened originally. And I guess that's governor Frederick T. Greenhage. Greenhage? Greenhage, I think. Hodge? Oh, oh, that's an L, not an I. Okay. Yeah. I Googled well, them. We'll get it right for the This American Life episode. Yes, definitely. Uh, look, could they have won without the terrible weather? Perhaps, especially Lyndon. Lyndon yeah. could, have, could have won that race without the weather, but it no doubt was a huge influence on the outcome. I don't think many people would have thought Yuki could have done it. And what did it do? You're right. It, it solidified, it validated Yuki, and it also ended the streak for the American women. And in 30 years and 20 years and 10 years, are we going to say, yeah, the American women, they, they, they won one back in 2018, but there was a, no, no one's going to say that. They're right. going to say an American woman's won. And when you combine that with what Shalane Flanagan did in New York, it's just more evidence of major marathon victories for the U.S. 
Yeah. That's, that's impressive. That's, I, I, you could have given me 10,000 guesses, a million guesses, and I never would have got there. Yeah. I don't know how the rest of his governing was, so I don't want to go too far on the limb about... Right. <laughs> but that's why I just said he was important. Um, he, he did die in 1896, and the first... 122, the first, 122 years later, he won an award, though. Well, the first Boston Marathon, I think, was 1897. So, he mm. came, so there was a couple years when they had Patriots Day. Um, it was funny. When I went and looked at the historical weather, there was a map of like precipitation. And like, because I was like, I was there on that Sunday and I was like, I think it was raining a little bit. And there was, it was a little bit of rain, but it was on a line graph. And then that Monday was like a straight up, like Mount Everest climb of, of, of rain on the, on the graph and then went right back down for Tuesday. Cause I remember Tuesday was especially pleasant, barely any wind at all on, on that Tuesday and the sun was out, but shouts to Frederick T. Greenhalge, Hage. We don't, we're not sure. Yeah, whatever it is. It's a, it's a, that's a good list. I like that. I, you kind of ran the gamut of, of everything there. You got a marathoner. You got a young sprint star. You've got, you know, the most controversial figure in, in the sport. You've got the governor of... of the of, most of, controversial of, governor. <laughs> well, the, the, well, the most controversial governor. I said the most controversial figure in Semenya. But then, yeah. then you know, you've got, yeah, I've got a governor from the 1800s. I mean, what else can you ask? All right. So you got, you, who, who's number six? Or who's the sixth person? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I was trying to think of like who would be who would be a good spot. I mean, I, I you know it's all this young sprint talent, but picking out you know it's like oh if Coleman ends up being you know the next yeah. bolt, maybe he's you know he's maybe he doesn't get the nine fives, but he just wins you know the next four gold medals and worlds and, and Olympics or something like that. Oh, I got you, one. Yeah, please. Well, there's a certain stadium that mm. got knocked down. And a certain founder and head of a company who threw out the original plan because yeah. he said it cost too much money. And boom, went the East Grandstand. Yeah, that's a good point. Could be him. Could be him. All right. Let's go to emails. Yeah. Houseofrun at gmail.com. We got a bunch. We're going to try to get through all of them. Let's start first. Man, let's just go in chronological order. No better way to do it. So these may not make sense thematically, but that's why you listen to the show. Uh, this is an emailer from ooh, Derek. Doesn't say from where. That's a it's a big no no, Derek. You got to say where you're from <laughs> and where you're formerly were from. Uh, just kidding, uh, guys. The biggest mistake of the year. So we did our biggest misses of 2018 last week, which I think was a hit because a lot of people were making fun of us about it. Perfect. And that's how I ju- that's how I judge success. Yep. Uh, the biggest mistake of the year was in this week's podcast, meaning last week. Legendary Arsenal and Ireland soccer player Liam Brady is not only the best Liam ever, ever, he is also the best Brady ever. Yeah, I said it. So remember, we after Liam Anderson's win at NXN, we rated the best Liams. And we had, what, Neeson 1, Hemsworth 2, Gallagher 3, right? That sounds right, yeah. Okay, so he's saying, he's saying this soccer player uh, and coach... Liam Brady should be considered. So is it because he out-Brazilled Brazil? And he sends a link of the video. Or because he was betting it like Beckham before anyone knew what Beckham was? Not even close. Liam Brady is the GOAT because of his response to a TV interview after his top division team, Brighton, woefully tied with non-league, no-hopers, Canvey Town in the FA Cup. Interviewer, if the shot had gone in, you'd have gone out of the cup. Brady. 
And if my granny had balls, she'd be my granddad. <laughs> they don't make them like they used to, is what Derek says. Did I mean, you I watch was, this interview? I, you know, I have not seen this. I, I must have must have missed this one. So, um, yeah, I mean, hey, I love I love the response there. I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of this guy. Uh, I Liam Brady. I you know I don't know how how great of a soccer player was he? I'm, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. Um, it's more, yeah, I think it was, he just seemed like a complete, uh, as, as a, as a coach that clips like a long interview and he's just giving just like ridiculous answers to reporters and like storming off. I mean, I love that. Don't get me wrong. Like yeah. that's one of my favorite things about Popovich. Like that in general, like I love a coach who's just like kind of a, kind of a jerk like <laughs> towards, towards questions and stuff like that. Cause people take him really seriously and it's just funny to see people do that. But, um, He's he's on my radar, and and the greatest Brady ever. I'm sure we're going to get no arguments against that. Next up is Kyle, formerly from South Dakota, but now from Wisconsin. Drink. It's an interesting two-state combo. Seems appropriate that Ilya Kipchoge is mentioned in consecutive House of Run podcasts for as long as possible, so I thought I would fill you in on my Kipchoge challenge this fall. After the amazing 201.39 world record in September, I was looking for an equivalent test for the rest of us, there's the treadmill challenge for how long we can run at 438 mile pace, five strides. But I was looking for something that would be two hours or 26 miles or both in some equivalent challenge for residents of Earth. On a weekend in late September, I stumbled on it. I decided to put my elliptigo to the test. For those that don't know, but assume the astute House of Run listeners do, the elliptigo is basically an elliptical machine on bicycle frame and tires. The elliptical motion replaces pedals on a bike. It's uh, a very close to running but non-impact equivalent that runners like Meb have used to supplement their miles. The beauty of the elliptigo is that for at least a mid-50-year-old middle-of-the-pack marathoner like me uh, is riding 13 miles per hour for 26 miles or what Iliud can do in his Nikes <laughs> with or without insoles is a challenge. Here was my comparison. Berlin route has minimal turns. My route was 13.1 miles out and back with minimal turns on a bike path. The Berlin route was close to traffic. My path crossed several roads. Brown Deer Road turned out to be a killer. Lost 30 to 40 seconds there. Kipchoge had aid stations and Klaus handing him bottles. I was going with nothing. He had multiple pacers blocking the wind for him for many, many miles. Well, at least three or four. I was standing straight up pretty much like a parachute. Iliud had hundreds of thousands of screaming fans cheering on. I had strange stares from maybe a dozen people who had never seen an elliptic go. <laughs> Kipchoge had carbon plates spring him along. I had the wheel, perhaps in a equal invention to the carbon plates and running shoes as you can see all was tilted in kipchoge's favor i had my work cut out for me i had similar weather conditions to berlin and set off on the challenge i felt good and made the turn at just under 59 minutes that's a good split that's amazing almost a world record for the half i was feeling pretty good until i remembered that it was net downhill going out and i had tough sledding heading home I pushed hard, and even with the delay at Brown Deer Road, I held on and finished in 158.10. Whoa. I think this proves a sub-two-hour marathon is possible. <laughs> so am I impressed with Kipchoge's 201? Well, I was exhausted trying to ride on two wheels at his pace for 26.2 miles. Yeah. I guess it's pretty legit. P.S. This is way, way, way easier than 60 times 400 meters <laughs> mentioned last podcast. That's Kyle, formerly from South Dakota, now from Wisconsin. So now the question is, what could Kipchoge do on an elliptigo? Ooh, that is, yeah. I mean, it's got to be under 90 minutes, right? Yeah. Well, he might, I don't know. He might look at that thing and be like, what's the need? I mean, I'm sure he does. He's like, I can just, I can travel this fast. Why would I need a machine? Yeah. Um, 
he probably looks at cars the same way. But um, yeah, this is I love this. This is fantastic. I, I, I'm I'm intrigued by an elliptico. I, I feel like I've heard that term before, but I've never actually seen one. You haven't seen one? I don't think so. Oh, I mean it's elliptical with with wheels. That's it's they're they're pretty big, bulky. I can understand how crossing Brown Deer Road with it would be tough because we all know how the traffic. Dude, is. classic Brown Deer Road, man. It's killer. <laughs> Uh, here's Alex, a former mediocre spinner. Uh, can we get the American record song for, uh, Susanna Kilour for her 2008 60-meter hurdle record of 768 that was just dug up by USATF along with Mondo's pole vault record on account of their dual citizenship? Or maybe Scooter can write in with a Swedish-American record song that we can play for both Mondo, uh, and Susanna. Peace, love, and track. That's Alex. Well, didn't we have, we have this, the Swiss, or sorry, the Swedish song, right? Way back when, remember? Yes. Yes, we do. Yeah. Hey man, did you see that record? That was we'll have to find that one. Alex also wrote he wrote in with a long explanation of the Van. Nie- Remember, he was the one who was there uh, for Van Niekerk's yes o- o- Olympic record. Yeah, I'm gonna save it for next time just because I don't think we're gonna have as many emails next time, and it's it's quite long, so I want to have time to read the entire thing. So I'm saving that one to next time, and it's very good. Photos are attached, which I always appreciate. Um, so let's go to. Uh, Jerry, he's in Australia. He says the Aussie 10K champs of this weekend. Unfortunately, Tierney and McDonald are not running, but still a lot of quality. McSwain is probably favorite. Ryan Gregson is running, but perhaps as a rabbit for his squad uh, mates. Jordan Jordan Williams also has entered a guy called Jack Rainer has a big year domestically and recently beat Williams over 5K. In the ladies, uh, Jen Gregson, aka or formerly Jen Lacaz, has entered. Um, watch out for young Aussie girl Katrina Robinson, who started with U.S. college running this year. That is – oh, he's got another one. Hold on. Uh, email number two. Here we go. He's just – he's letting – Jerry's letting us know what's on going down on the streets. Of I love it. I uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, that's – it's summer it's over there, ne- right? Ne- well, yeah. So now he's at the Aussie – he's at the Aussie high school track champs in Cairns, which is a city in Australia that I know about. I don't know where it is. He says a young athlete called Emojin Stewart won the 800 and won the 15 on Saturday morning. She is uh, streets ahead of her peers currently, and she can see if she can keep it up for another 10 years. Uh, that is Jerry. Okay, hold in on. Australia. Streets ahead. Yeah. Um, so, I like that. well, I, I love it, but I don't know if, I don't know if Jerry's ever watched the show Community um, because at one point, one of the characters kept trying to make streets ahead a thing, like a saying. And oh, really? I don't know if that was like already a thing. Um, it obviously is, at least in Australia. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm just curious if this was a reference to community or if it's just that's a saying out there. Like I need more information on Streets Ahead because it's it's uh, community is one of my favorite shows, and that was uh, just a random thing that was thrown in there. Got to follow up. Yeah, got to follow I up. I need it. All right, let's go to uh, Karen. Yeah, and Br- and Braylon. Yes, as well. Uh, she went to Full Locker. Awesome. Just- Saw a great race. A back for full locker definitely lived up to the hype, not to mention the 70-degree sunny San Diego versus 30-degree snowy northern Virginia. Whew. Girls' race was unreal with Sydney Mascarelli, a new Sydney chill-out in the making, <laughs> and Kaylin Hart battling down the final stretch. Boys' race, Cole Hawker's final kick was killer. The other take, Three other takeaways. The big hill is way crazier in person than it looks on the webcast. Two, I know Foot Locker is only quasi-team scoring, but the Midwest girls going two through six is kind of nuts. Three, Meb is super nice and probably... Would have taken a picture with me had I asked, but I didn't want to interrupt his time with his daughter, so I took a creepier picture instead. <laughs> Kevin, is this on par with your mid-race Meb photo? Have a great week, Karen. And says, and Braylon in spirit. Uh, 
Is it on par with my mid? Well, my mid race Meb photo was actually an end of race Meb photo. It's one of it's it's one of the greats. Yeah. I mean, in in Meb's, well, what was supposed to be his last race, but is not going to be because he's going to run the Olympics. Um, yeah, Meb's like the nicest human ever, and I feel like he would take a picture with anybody. I, I have so. no doubt that he would. Uh, but I but I respect you know not wanting to bother him. But yeah, I I, I, I suspect she is correct that he easily would have done it. Let's go to. Oh, and the, I can. I've run those hills in Balboa Park before, and yeah, it's incredibly steep. It's nuts. Um, and it's cool. It's cool that they put hills in the cross country course. Yeah, um, I think that's the way it should be. Yeah. Uh, here's Brian, emailer. And yeah, it's weird that I have to say that, but it it's a controversial point. <laughs> emailer, formerly from Raleigh, but now from Pennsylvania. Drink. Uh, he also says he says once a runner might be his favorite running book. Every runner shown a copy. Jason just get. Jason's been getting pilloried. Yeah, uh, for his non once a runner stand stance last week. It's it's and it's it wasn't really a stance so much as that I haven't read it yet. I oh, mean, I know. I just wanted to turn that into a thing. I mean, I'm not trying. I'm not. Uh, I'm not anti once a runner. Um, I once was a runner, so like in a way, it'd be like reading about my life. Uh, except the sixty by four hundred part. Yeah, uh, it's close. All right. Last week's pod, you speculated which of the last ten years NCAA cross country champs Adam Gouchers would win. One of those years was 2016, which you said uh, Gouch would win. Let me defend my boy, Chaboy, in the Jason voice. I uh, haven't heard that in a while. Chaboy! Okay, there you go. <laughs> Jason's, Jason's Jay-Z impersonation. Uh, Gouch was really good at cross-country. So is Patty T. He's talking about Pat Tiernan. Uh, Goucher beat some good guys, including Legat and the Black Cactus. Pat beat some good guys as well, including Chesrek, Justin Knight. While Legat and Abdi were good, they weren't Legat and Abdi yet. Abdi was second, ran 13.40 and 28.36 in the spring before, according to his IWF page. Knight and Cheswick both had significantly faster 5K PRs. A few weeks after his victory, Pat convincingly won the Zatapak 10K down under 27.59, which was Goucher's lifetime PR. I wouldn't be so fast to give this one to Goucher. Mm. Yeah, it's a strong, strong case. It's it's recency by or. What's the opposite of recency bias? What's the thing where you <laughs> bias the thing that you were like young and impressionable for? Yeah, um, what's that called? This nostalgia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, nostalgia bias. There you go. Nostalgia bias. Uh, he also said, "Is it too early for end of year award nominations?" No, it's not. Never. It's definitely not too early. I'd like to nominate the men's fifteen hundred for not race of the year. Yeah, that's. I'm. It's a pretty safe bet usually too. Yeah, like, that's. I hate. I hate that you're giving that one away right now, Brian. But that's especially with Kip Rop, you know, I mean. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Kiprop not being in it and being on Twitter might be more exciting than the 1500's been in a long it's, time. It's pretty nuts here. Let's go to Liam in Shetland. Possibly, he yeah. says, the 50,000th most popular Liam in the world, but hopefully in the top three of Liam's to have sent you overlong emails about the Island Games. Uh, having been officially anointed as your correspondent for everyone's favorite Gibraltar-based 2019 tournament, the Island Games, I figure I should drop in with an update from the world of Island Athletics. Yes, please. You ready? Always. One of the big challenges Gibraltar faces in hosting the Island Games is building appropriate facilities given that, one, Gibraltar is not big, and two, Gibraltar is very populous for somewhere not big. Over 11,000 people per square mile of all 2.6 square miles of it. The solution has been to blast away 60,000 cubic meters of rock. This almost sounds like city planning here, Jason. To build the Lathbury Lathbury Sports Complex where the athletics will be hosted. Complete with 800-seater stadium, the Gibraltar High Altar. (laughs) Construction is due to be completed in April 2019, three months ahead of the Games. But as rock blasting only seems to have been completed in late August, 
we can only hope they're acting quickly or else it might have to be laps of the airstrip for the athletes. <laughs> Preparations in the fourth biggest of four Channel Islands, Sark, have been thrown into turmoil by the local energy provider, essentially just a local man, <laughs> threatening to shut off the Isles' electricity, having been forced to lower prices so that they won't be losing 20,000 euros a month. Wow. This may not be such a fatal blow for the Isles athletes, though, as with population under 500, an average age over 50, and an island so small, the only permitted motorized vehicles are tractors. They were always unlikely to send any track athletes, as they usually only send shooters and archers. Anyway, the one time they sent a soccer team, they lost 20-0 to zero to Isle of Wight. I know soccer isn't your favorite sport, but as a rough calculation, this is the equivalent of a basketball team losing 600-0. to zero. <laughs> Finally, St. Helena sprinter Sana Thomas will be facing a less daunting journey should she be competing again. Isolated thousands of miles off the West African coast, St. Helena, where Napoleon was exiled to, has previously relied on a Navy vessel transporting their wow. athletes for a several-week journey before... They've been able to catch the first of several onward flights to their destination. Athletes uh, have had to resort to running on deck to keep up their fitness. Now, however, a weekly flight has started linking St. Helena to South Africa. So get ready for St. Helena to reveal itself as a world or at least island power. Thanks. That is Liam in Shetland. He didn't say it, but I'll say it. Hashtag beat Orkney. Uh, and thank that was incredible, Liam. Thank you, thank you. Unquite. This is I love this. Please never stop giving us updates on this. I love the <clears throat> just the intricacy. I mean, like yeah, we've seen how like difficult it is for just regular countries or cities to just build anything like and keep it on schedule. But for mm-hmm. an island where one guy controls your electricity, like <laughs> some sort of Mister Burns villain, is yeah, yeah. so much better. Um, Liam, you're, you're easily a top five, Liam, right now. So well, keep done. it up. All right, so we got an email here from Bart, formerly from Eindhoven and now living nearby. Eindhoven, oh, remember we talked great. about Eindhoven? Yeah. Yeah? Love it. He said he started listening uh, to the pod around the time of the Alan Webb episode, witnessed that race in person, and was really impressed how fast the sub four mile is. Last weekend, Eurocross in Tilburg, I got some comments on the event. Um, he was there in person. Despite some rain, the turnout was really good. Uh, he says Sif and Hassan was supposed to win, but unfortunately got ill in the buildup to the race. Uh. Of course, uh, she yes. was supposed to win, or at least finish second. Yeah, no, she she have won. That would have been the one. She European events. She yeah, dominates. that's true. Uh, she said the Turks got beaten by Middle Britson. Younger Britson uh, made it look like he was having a tough race, but won easily. Gressier of France dominated the U twenty three race. That's right, he did until he didn't. Uh, that that was my comment there, not parts. Um, the turnout was so good. The host venue, um, a safari park type zoo. Did not have enough concession stands. That's a good sign. Hmm. Um, Susan Crummins uh, tried to win but ended up fourth and won, uh, won the team competition. Uh, just one small remark. As a matter, as a member of the Royal Dutch Athletics Federation, Sifanasan is a member of Eindhoven Athletics Track Club as that is the city where she started running. See, you mocked Eindhoven, Jason. I would never mock Eindhoven. You mocked Eindhoven in the build-up to, was it... New York? What was the marathon? Yeah, was, I mean, I mocked the lot. marathon, but I would never mock Eindhoven itself, you know. Eindhoven, the cradle of great Dutch athletes. I would love to go to Eindhoven. It's another city I'm looking at, and I'm like, man, this looks amazing. All right, Jesus, this pod is now just Jason Googling European cities and realizing he hasn't been to places. I've been some places, but I, I, have, a lot, I have a lot to go. 
there's yeah this is this is pretty pretty nice looking uh thank you very much uh bart for writing in strong debut email absolutely yeah i like this yeah this is all across the globe we got shetland we got uh australia and now we got the netherlands as well um we got one from tommy which we'll leave for next week so that tommy and alex will leave to next week um Longtime friend of the show, Andy, has nominated Tommy to be the uh, U20 emailer of the year. Oh, because I like that. He, he is he identifies himself as Thomas, the high school runner from York, Pennsylvania. I like so, a U20. That's that's solid. I, I, I'm I'm a fan of that. Uh, okay, Jason has just sent me in the Skype chat a picture of Eindhoven. Whoa! Yeah, that that caught my eye as I was scrolling through pictures of Eindhoven. Eindhoven to have green residential tower is the photo and it's a high rise and there's just a ton of just trees and trees. bushes like all over the building. It's pretty cool. Looking. I'm personally terrified of high rises. Mm. So I, this would not be something I would do or want to go into or ever live in, but it looks incredible. Yeah. It's a very cool idea. Like that's, yeah, they got a lot of cool things going on in, in the Netherlands. Like I could do, there's a lot I want to see there. Just in terms of stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I believe I read a I read the book. I think it's what's it is it called Traffic? It's about it's about traffic. Why there's so much traffic and about car culture in general. Mm. And one of the latter chapters is about a city that does away with all traffic lights and signs, and it ends up being you know it's pretty safe, right? Because people just instead of just being on autopilot, they actually engage with the world around them. Right. And they fig- figure it out. And I think it, it was, a, if I'm remembering it right, it was a small town in Europe, and I think it might have been in the Netherlands. That sounds like, I know, I know yeah, biking's huge up there, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, all right, I'm in. Let's do the Eindhoven Budapest double. Man, they got this building that looks like the, it's a small world after all. It's all right, a low Jason, festival. Just... I don't know. I'm going. I'm booking my tickets to Eindhoven right now. I'm running the marathon. Right. We're going to leave it there. Please write in with your end of year award categories or nominations. Uh, those of you who have listened to the past basically know the, the gist of, of what we're looking for. But if you're new to the show, throw out a new category. We always welcome new ideas and feedback. Houseofrun at gmail.com is the email address. Um, Thomas and Alex, we'll get to your emails next week. Everybody else, thank you so much for writing in. Jason, thank you for for being with me for the first annual Most Important People of (laughs) Track and Field edition. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you working in an 1800s mayor or governor. Um, That's that's impressive. Not many people could make that connection, but I I mean, I I think in a Flowtrack article, you wrote the fastest 5K of 2019 would be in 2018, and the 2018 Mm -hmm. person of the year is a person who's been dead for 120 years. So, kudos. My work here is done. (laughs) Until next week. Jessica Ennis. Eindhoven or Budapest? Where do I go first?